This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. The time for empty talk is over. The ECB is ready to do whatever it takes. Because Brexit means Brexit. Outer Blue by Amundi. Hello, good morning, uh, good afternoon to everyone. Thanks for joining us today at this Blue Conversation, whose subject will be COVID-19 and Europe, what is next. Uh, today, I have the pleasure to be joined by Enrico Letta, former Prime Minister uh, of Italy and member of uh, the Amundi Advisory Board. My name is uh, uh, Monica Defend, uh, Global Head of Research at Amundi. So, uh, just going uh, to the uh, straight to the point, uh, Enrico, with uh, this uh, big thing that we are discussing, we've been discussing uh, over the last uh, uh, two weeks in in Europe, and I'm referring to the Franco-German uh, proposal. Is it for real? Uh, what is going to happen? What are your thoughts? Tomorrow will be a very important uh, day, uh, where we're expecting some uh, more details uh, to be uh, shared uh, as European and energy investors. What is uh, your, your take on this uh, recovery fund? Uh, thank you, Monica. Good morning and good afternoon, everyone. Uh, yes, tomorrow it will be another crucial day in Europe. Uh, we have many crucial days, but tomorrow we are supposed to leave one very important crucial day because the proposal that the European Commission will present uh, will be an important step. Of course, the proposal is not uh, the final, uh, the end of the path, because there are many different steps then, and the most important one will be the European Council mid-June. Um, it is not easy to uh, have or to say predictions about tomorrow's proposal, but it is important uh, to link this proposal to the Franco-German uh, uh, meeting uh, 10, year, 10 days ago or 15 days ago, that was another important uh, step. It is not easy to make predictions because it is not easy to understand how tough will be the opposition of the so-called frugal countries, so uh, the Netherlands, Austria, Sweden and Denmark, uh, to the Franco-German uh, approach and to the uh, potential conclusions of, uh, of this uh, story in the European Council. Uh, I think the, uh, the crucial points in the Franco-German proposals are, first of all, the dimension. I know that there's a big discussion uh, within the European Council and among the member states to try to, uh, uh, try to uh, strengthen the dimension uh, from these 500 uh, billion euros and to uh, get close to the trillion or something like that with other tools. So the first point is the dimension. The second point is the mix between grants and loans. And we know very well that the debate within the Commission is, is very uh, tough and very deep on this topic. There are different proposals. The feeling is that Grants will be more than loans, probably 60, 40, or 70, 30, we don't know, but uh, these are the, the framework is around these uh, figures. 
uh, I think the most important uh, achievement of the Franco-German meeting was the fact that the deal between France and Germany was uh, the Germans accepted a very proactive French approach and a very proactive pro-growth, pro-new uh, tools at European level French approach was the one that France managed and created with uh, Italy, Spain, Belgium, uh, Luxembourg, Portugal, uh, Ireland, and so on. And on the other uh, hand, uh, the French accepted the German approach to prefer a 27 uh, dimension rather than a 19 dimension, because uh, one focal point of the discussion was uh, is it a response based on uh, a European Union response or is it based on a Euro area uh, response? And that was a, a crucial and a pivotal point. Uh, at the end of the day, the Franco-German meeting uh, was the way to choose the 27 approach that is typical the German approach rather than the 19 approach that seemed to be the uh, traditional uh, uh, French approach in the last uh, in the last years, uh, and the other key point, and I stop here, is related to the mix between bond and MFF in terms of uh, sources of uh, funding, uh, because there are these two main pillars: a bond by the Commission, that is probably the most interesting news. And at the same time, the strengthening of the uh, MFF uh, debate and discussion. Both are important uh, points because, of course, the bond uh, uh, is a way to uh, be together in working to organize new debt and uh, debt of the future and how to manage it. And MFF is important because it's a way to apply the community method, the community method to all this stuff that was completely different from what happened 10 years ago or eight years ago when the creation of the ESM, that was maybe the most important reaction uh, at the European level, uh, aside the whatever it takes by the central bank, but this ESM was a 19-based tool and very intergovernmental. The the impression, the feeling is that uh, strengthening the MFF means more communitarian approach. Uh, so uh, a very important role played by the Commission and even by the European Parliament and a 27 approach. But there's a problem there. This is my uh, final point for this question is the timing. Because as you know, MFF means 1st of January in terms of beginning. And I know in Brussels they're discussing and uh, trying to create some uh, how to bridge now to until 1st of January. That is not easy, but it is one of the crucial problems because in the most affected countries like Spain and Italy, uh, there's, there are many expectations to have an immediate response, immediately deliverable uh, in autumn. And of course, it is not... Uh, uh, the case if everything is postponed to uh, January 1st. And about timing, I think, 
part of the game is about is, is about timing. This is uh, around the main points of the discussion and and some of the trends in view of tomorrow's decision. Thank you, Enrico, for spotting the the key points and the key moments uh, we have to look at uh, in this uh, during this uh, this journey that unlikely uh, will lead to to a fiscal union. But anyway, uh, we believe has been an important step forward in the political debate as far as the uh, eurozone is uh, is concerned. But um, when uh, we uh, go into uh, Practical things relating to the to the budget and all the money uh, that will be needed uh, in order uh, to support the the economies uh, to um, overcome this uh, a big uh, asymmetric uh, shock with divergence across uh, and within uh, regions and and countries uh, amid a future that that remain uh, uncertain. Do you think that car- the current uh, multi-annual EU budget uh, can be achieved? And uh, on a, a national level, uh, do you think that uh, ultra-loose national budgetary policies are going to kickstart the, yeah. the economy? So how you see the sustainability on that front? The, the MFS uh, debate uh, will be very uh, complicated. It was complicated. I think we all remember last European Council meeting before uh, COVID-19 explosion. It was exactly on the MFF, and it was backlash uh, between the two fronts, and the two fronts were the four frugal countries, so Netherlands, Austria, Sweden, and Denmark, uh, and the rest of the group. And uh, I think we are again in the same framework, uh, it is not easy to understand because the counter-proposal uh, of the Fugas is is a very uh, far one. And it is not uh, very easy to understand what can be uh, a mediation on this topic because uh, we are very far from uh, a potential mediation. The point about uh, uh, the um, uh, MFF and the opting out is one of the crucial uh, situations, and uh, it is it is not easy to understand if it is possible to have opting out there or not. So um, uh, I, I don't know, frankly speaking, how to have this link between the MFF and uh, and uh, the solution because of this unique, unexpected, and very complicated relationship. And at the same time, uh, it, it is very important to understand that uh, the debt and sustainability of the debt is the other uh, crucial point. And of course, it is crucial for a country like Italy, but not only a country like Italy. It is more than that, because all the European countries will be affected by a growing uh, uh, debt. And personally, I'm a little bit shocked by the fact that this topic is out of the table. Because in my view, this topic will be one of the most important uh, topics. Uh, It is a crucial topic. It is essential uh, how to manage uh, the increase of the debts and how to avoid um, a backlash or very bad consequences. Because in autumn, we will have... uh, 
and leave the sequence of downgrades to the different depths. Of course, you tell them one first, but also the others. And it is not easy to understand what would be the consequence of that. So uh, I'm a little bit surprised by this topic, not at the very core, at the very center of the discussion. And uh, uh, it is, uh, it is, I think, uh, uh, crucial to put it at the center of the stage. Yeah, agreed. While uh, uh, moving on uh, on the political front that uh, uh, remains uh, uh, quite colored and, and hot uh, on uh, on certain uh, on on certain aspects, uh, do you think uh, that COVID-19 uh, will likely uh, initiate or emphasize some specific uh, political uh, trend at European level? And more globally, uh, we're seeing uh, rising tensions in between the U.S. and China. Uh, do you expect Europe uh, to possibly play a role uh, within uh, this, uh, this new framework? Uh, first point, I think uh, COVID-19 and this crisis will change the European Union. And uh, so the European Union uh, will be different uh, tomorrow, the day after COVID-19. Uh, it depends uh, on the way in which uh, this, uh, this crisis will be managed. Uh, until now, I have to say that there are some outcomes uh, from the, the first response of the European Union. First outcome is the European Union is uh, quicker in the response in comparison with, with 10 years ago. Ten years ago, uh, the European institutions and European leaders took four years from 8 to 12 to get whatever it takes to get the creation of the SN and to get new treaties and uh, the first step of the banking union, four years. And this waste of time was the reason of the catastrophic consequences of this crisis because the four years uh, waste of uh, uh, growth, uh, social disaster, and so on and so forth, and many consequences in social and political terms. So quicker, that is very important. Uh, there is today uh, the capacity of the European Union to react uh, uh, and uh, of the European institutions, and that was very important. Second, uh, the response seems to be a comprehensive response, not only a financial response. Ten years ago, in reality, the response was a financial response with the monetary policy plus the ESM uh, plus some peanuts like uh, youth guarantee or really peanuts in, in social terms. Uh, today, the response is a comprehensive one on three uh, different levels. There's the financial level, and it, it's working with the ECB till now. It's working, even if the, the constitutional, the German constitutional court is a, is a threat, but until now it's working. Second, on real economy, for the first time, there's a, a, a big, big uh, reaction to the recession. And this big reaction is bigger than the biggest uh, European intervention ever that was the Juncker plan uh, five years ago or four years ago. 
And it is bigger today because the Juncker plan was uh, based on leverage. Uh, and today the feeling is that leverage will be very low or, uh, or, or very marginal. So on real economy, the feeling is that there's a, a very important reaction. And the other big news is the social Europe uh, growing uh, three months after Brexit. Uh, the UK uh, was the anti-social Europe until now because they always put veto on that. And for the first time, there's a social chapter in this European response with this plan on uh, unemployment and with the idea to have sure for sanitary uh, uh, expenditures. It is not enormous, but it is a first step in the social dimension. So my second point is there's a comprehensive response. My third point is that uh, with the UK out is uh, unbalancing the situation and uh, the feeling is that the four frugals are a little bit weaker today uh, rather than uh, 10 years ago. And uh, the fact that Germany took the decision to move uh, towards France and towards the, the other position I think it is a, a crucial news, a very important news, and uh, that will have, I think, consequences. Um, there are many reasons why Germany moved. I think part of these reasons is for uh, an internal choice to say uh, it is important to save Europe as a whole. Uh, I think the the uh, constitutional German Constitutional Court played a role because I think this decision in this very moment was a sort of, I would say, in a football terms, uh, own goal. Uh, and uh, that pushed German government to be more pro-European uh, in terms of um, decisions and uh, image and so on and so forth. So I think there are many trends. Um, I am a little bit surprised by the fact that at the end of the day, this time, the response will be more at 27 run rather than at 19. Because personally, my expectations were more for 19 rather than 27. Until now, the feeling is that it will be more uh, 27. So that is the German footprint uh, to this uh, solution to the crisis. But I would like just to end up by saying that uh, we are just at the beginning. So I mentioned trends, uh, but we are at the beginning. These crises will last for a, a while. And uh, many things can happen. I hope uh, the, the, the solutions will be there and the trends will be positive, but we need to have uh, expectations to the long, uh, long run. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Enrico. Uh, the two messages that uh, I... Uh, I get uh, today uh, from you is first one uh, is a confirmation that uh, as Europeans uh, we tend to react uh, to crisis to to move uh, to move forward and this is a confirmation of uh, what has been happening in, in the past but the uh, second key message uh, that uh, that I get from you is this uh, uh, comprehensive uh, response that to me is really uh, one of the uh, positive uh, reading amid uh, this uh, human tragedy with the profound economic pain and still uh, uncertain uh, 
uh, destination that uh, that the the pandemic uh, brought. But being more European today, uh, to me, uh, is uh, is really uh, an important uh, step uh, uh, step forward. Um, I would like now to to share uh, with the um, uh, with you with you all uh, what is uh, on on our side the assessment on the on the European uh, economy. Uh, if we uh, focus into the final destination uh, that still remains uncertain, as Enrico uh, was saying, uh, we do expect a contraction of the economy uh, in uh, 2020, uh, starting it around minus uh, 9%. And that to be followed by a recovery um, around 4% uh, in 2021. But uh, as we uh, already seen in the in the political uh, landscape, uh, there are deeper uh, divergences between the, the Nordics and, and the southern countries just because uh, the SMEs and some sectors uh, um, like uh, tourism that are the most affected are concentrated in the south part uh, of, of Europe, but uh, provided that the numbers that uh, and the forecast that uh, we are uh, providing today are really um, subjected to high uh, uncertainty, um, it is more important for us uh, to focus on the journey. So, how we are going to get uh, to uh, to the end of uh, of 2020. Uh, one had been worse than expected, in particular for some countries such as France, uh, that uh, came uh, into the uh, in, into the pandemic later than than other countries, but already in Q1 uh, has been um, has been registering a weak uh, growth number. We do expect Q2 to be the bottom of the of the economies. And then Q3 and Q4 will be crucial to set the speed of the uh, bouncing back, as we will see eventually the, the reopening, and most importantly, we will see how and if the uh, behavior or cons of consumers uh, is going to be uh, structurally uh, changed. Um, Enrico just spent some words on the public uh, uh, finance, but uh, again, on, on our side, uh, we expect uh, some uh, delta on the debt to GDP uh, ratios and budget deficit uh, uh, around 10-20% uh, uh, for the year. Uh, the second point I would like to make on the uh, on the policy front refers to the uh, monetary policy and the ECB in in particular. Um, Enrico just uh, shared with us some uh, initial thoughts uh, on, on our side uh, as investors. Uh, we are uh, really focusing on the on the June meeting for two reasons. Uh, the first one is that we might see in the wording uh, of the ECB some kind of a reaction or answer. Uh, to the uh, German uh, constitutional uh, court uh, ruling. Our take is that it was good for the ECB not to uh, formalize any uh, uh, any official answer uh, to the to the ruling, just not to uh, be perceived as subject to national uh, court's uh, decision. And the second uh, is more related to the PEPP uh, program. Uh, the big question is uh, whether they are going to change it in terms of uh, size and, and composition. Uh, if we look at the net financing need of the Eurozone uh, for 2020, 
uh, they are around 1,000 billion. So uh, we think that if the ECB continues uh, uh, at the at the current speed, uh, um, the uh, the plan uh, will be uh, exhausted uh, by the by the uh, end of August, early in September. Bear in mind that. Uh, 25% of the facility has been uh, has been used uh, in less than than two months. So the consensus uh, is calling for uh, 250 billion plus. Uh, the need uh, is around. Uh, uh, 500, uh, as uh, uh, as uh, as we said, uh, on our side, uh, we would be um, happy to see uh, doubling uh, the package around the 750 billion, as this will uh, allow not only uh, to face the the financing need that the eurozone required, but it will allow to go uh, beyond the 2020 into uh, 2021. So, being really uh, a strong uh, a strong stimulus. So this is uh, on the uh, economic uh, front what, uh, what our uh, key conviction and, and calls. Uh, when uh, it goes uh, to the uh, financial markets, let's focus a moment on, uh, uh, on that. Uh, as we were mentioning, this is an asymmetric shock with divergences uh, between and within uh, countries. This is reflected uh, into uh, the, the stock market uh, at sector level in, uh, in particular. Uh, the main equities, uh, equity index are, uh, are down uh, around 80, 80% with a real divergence in between value and, uh, and growth. Um, in terms of reporting season, which to, to us is really the key needle, uh, to, to taste uh, how much is the pain uh, transferred from the pandemic into the, uh, the corporate sector. Minus uh, 35% was uh, Q1. Uh, the, the numbers are reported in uh, in uh, in, uh, in Q1, uh, but this is uh, reflecting already uh, uh, some weeks of of lockdown. We do expect the bottom uh, to to come out uh, in, uh, in in Q2. When you compare this number to the US, obviously they are uh, much worse, just because the US entered into the uh, outbreak later uh, in uh, in the year. So we expect somehow. Uh, could to, to be the quarter where uh, the uh, situation might uh, somehow uh, rebalance. Uh, as I said, um, there is a, uh, an interesting divergence at the sector level with healthcare and telecom uh, overperforming industrial, financial, uh, and, uh, and energy. Again, uh, Q2 uh, will be the, the moment uh, of, uh, of truth. In terms of uh, investment uh, um, conviction, and to conclude uh, our uh, our call uh, today, our main message is that uh, we remain cautious. Uh, the, this uh, cautious stance uh, relates on one side uh, on the uncertainty uh, of the uh, consequences uh, on the consequences that. Uh, uh, the, the pandemic has been uh, has been bring, bringing with uh, as Enrico was uh, was saying a lot of details that remain under scrutiny, and on uh, on a second uh, and second in the list, this rising tension uh, that uh, that we see uh, within countries with the rising uh, inequalities and more uh, more globally when it goes to, uh, for example, 
the situation uh, between U.S. and China. So uh, our mantra for managing the portfolio is that to uh, protect the capital on one side, but having uh, uh, enough room to add on position in case uh, opportunities uh, open up. So there are five uh, key uh, points uh, I would like to, to share with you. The first one, to be focused on, on liquidity, uh, so that this will help us managing this transition from emergency into uncertainty. Uh, the second uh, conviction is that uh, we remain positive uh, on investment grade uh, because of the uh, central bank's uh, um, purchasing program that provides uh, a relevant umbrella uh, to, the, to the asset class. And uh, second, because the primary market is offering us some, uh, some opportunities as there is a wall of refinancing that, uh, that is, uh, is, is coming. Again, it is crucial to uh, be uh, selective uh, on, on sectors and likely focus on the sectors that uh, will be most uh, resilient uh, to the or less affected by the, the pandemic. When it turns to the uh, equity uh, exposure, uh, this is where we tempered the, the risk uh, the most uh, with, uh, with a clear focus on EPS, uh, EPS formation. Uh, we are selective on, uh, on emerging market. Uh, the criteria that uh, we are following uh, on the um, on the equity investment is first in, first out, and this is why uh, our uh, reference for the time being goes to China and, uh, and Asia. But again, with the uh, rising tension uh, between the U.S. and China, uh, that uh, are going to uh, to increase in the in the next uh, weeks, uh, we believe it's uh, uh, really better to uh, temper the overall exposure to uh, to equity. And uh, last but not least, we remain committed to ESG uh, with E. And G uh, uh, remaining high uh, in the priority risk, but it is really on the S on the uh, social uh, that uh, we are going to uh, focus uh, focus the most in light of the discussion that uh, we just uh, uh, we, we we just had. But uh, clearly, having a focus on the companies that uh, are acting in the interest of the community and the stakeholder uh, will be uh, a relevant uh, criterion for for the. For the, for the selection. So that's, uh, that's all uh, on, uh, on our side. I hope uh, that you found this uh, conversation uh, interesting. I would like to thank uh, uh, Enrico for spending uh, his time with us, sharing uh, his readings of the current uh, geopolitical uh, waves, and uh, I'll wait you for the next Blue uh, conversation in the next week. Thank you very much. And um, bye-bye. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets in financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.